Hello, Marvelites. Welcome to This Week in Marvel, episode number 84. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Marvel's Agent M, joined by... Ben Morse, editor of Marvel.com, and we have a new edition with us this week. Yet another in our rotating cavalcade of interns, we have Chloe. Hello. That's Chloe, guys. Yeah. She just said hello. Yeah. This is her very first day. It's her first hour. We decided to drop her into a podcast. Yeah, I was introduced to you, and then they started arguing about mustaches, and then I turned around and went back to work. So, Uh, welcome to the team. Blake has done his customary shaving of his beard, but because he can never be clean-faced, he has his hideous mustache that he'll grow every few months. So, that was the first thing I noticed. I apologize if that spoiled your entrance into, uh, into our world, Chloe, but we're glad to have you here. I like the mustache. But, you know, whatever. I'm a man's man. Yeah. Over to, uh, well, if you're just joining us yeah. on This Week in Marvel, we're going to go right into... Still your role there. Yeah, guy. we're going to go into new comics out for the week. Uh, print, digital, collection, single issue, all that good stuff. We're going to talk about our This Week in Marvel Unlimited Reading Club selection of Avengers Forever. Yes. We're going to go through uh, what's happening with TV, movies, video games, uh, news, and then we're going to get more into your questions and comments. If you have any, use the hashtag ThisWeekInMarvel, and we'll get to them later. Now, because this is our first week doing the Marvel Unlimited Reading Club, bear with us a little. It may be a slightly longer episode than normal as we iron out the kinks. Yeah. You guys had a lot to say about Avengers Forever. Extra value, as you say. All right. First comic this week is Age of Ultron, number nine, written by Brian Michael Bendis, with art by Carlos Pacheco and Brandon Peterson. And this is just loopy as Wolverine <laughs> figures out that he done messed up super bad. Uh, you got a gross, dying Iron Man giving him some advice. Uh, you get back to a scene from one of the earlier issues of Age of Ultron, uh, which gets super wacky when uh, you got dual Wolverines chatting and fighting and arguing um it's 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 a it's a fun issue but it's weird for hank pym it's weird for sue storm and it's weird for wolverine and you get that that sense of confusion in a good way because you're all like ah what are they going to do what are they going to do how's it going to go and then you get to a last page and uh uh-oh yeah did nothing change so like uh we'll see I really liked the guy we'll be talking about later, Carlos Pacheco's art, because he did a very nice job kind of doing the retro, back-in-time style, because that's how we're distinguishing the timelines, and Wolverine travels back to talk to Hank Pym. Pacheco does the past sequences, and he has a very kind of... His style looks almost like someone like Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, um, but he makes it his own and modernizes it as he will. But even, even the colors look a little more flat, um, just of the time. I dug that. I like this way yeah. to distinguish things. Speaking of Brian Michael Bendis, over in All New X Men number 12, as said on the cover, the All New X Men meet the Uncanny Avengers, which means the main event here is Havoc coming face to face with the younger version of his brother Cyclops, beautifully drawn by Stuart Eminen. The meeting between the brothers is actually, it's, it's kind of nice. Uh, Havoc gets a chance to talk to a non, a, a version of his brother he can stand. So they have a nice conversation. It's actually kind of sweet. The bigger conflict comes when young Jean Grey realizes what the Scarlet Witch has done, because she's with the Uncanny Avengers as well. There's a big conflict between the all-new X-Men and the Uncanny Avengers over what the heck's going on with Scarlet Witch, why is she allowed to be an Avenger. Some tempers get hot and heavy there. We also have more stuff with Mystique and Sabretooth as this book ramps up towards X-Men Battle of the Atom. 
Over to Avengers number 13, written by John Hickman with Nick Spencer, and art by Mike Diodato, who's just... Mm. He's, he's always been amazing and always been really good, but it seems like the last couple of issues he's done for Avengers have been incredible, incredible stuff. Uh, great colors by Frank Martin, to be sure, but uh, Dio's just on a rampage right now. So we've got um, the fallout from last issue where High Evolutionary came and stole some of the, uh, like the, I don't know, the the kids that are in the Savage Land. I don't think they have names yet. Yeah, the evolved kids. And uh, the Avengers are none too pleased, particularly Thor and Hyperion. And you know, if you had two people who are not happy with you, they shouldn't be mm-hmm. Thor or Hyperion because they can basically do anything. And uh, you really get to see them... Cut loose in this issue. Uh, also, we get a terminus. Yeah. What's up? What's his deal? Because I don't know much about him. I know he's a giant robot. You know what? I don't know a lot about terminus. And he also sometimes has a big axe. Yeah, I think he is an alien who basically there there are a bunch of them that came to Earth. They try to conquer Earth. The High Evolutionaries used them before, uh-huh. so I think at some point he got his hands on whatever the technology is. Um, I'll be corrected by someone next week. I'm probably wrong about probably. That. Yep. Uh, but it, it's also a really good. Uh, touching story, a great little bit of father, uh, fatherly yeah. feelings going on in there. Now is uh, is Dio the common nickname for Mike Diodato? Uh, it is now. That's what his pals call him. Yeah, Dio. I'm thinking, yeah, because I'm thinking of like the '80s band. Uh, yeah, well, series, I always... series of Rainbow and other hits. No, I'm familiar with Mr. Ronnie James. I don't, Dio. I don't. I don't know. How do you not know? Huh? He's Dio. I didn't know if you were into. Come Dio. on, let's keep it moving. You gave Mike Diodato his nickname. Actually, he's real. Never mind. Avengers Arena number 10, written by Dennis Hopeless, guest art by Ricardo Bercielli. I like that name. Very, very uh, romantic name, if you will. I don't know. What am I saying? Focus this issue is on Nico from The Runaways, who messed up pretty bad last issue. She turned her back on Apex and Deathlocket, which allowed Apex's nasty female personality to reassert herself and do some nasty stuff to. Justin and his Sentinel. So in this issue, we've got Apex running wild. She's got Deathlocket under control. She's got the Sentinel under her control. She gets someone else under her control. The kids are scrambling to figure out what to do. Nico feels super guilty, so she tries to make up for her mistake with potentially bad consequences. This is the issue that turned me against Dennis Hopeless. I was I was going to say, this is the first issue where I was kind of like, oh, yeah. I'm going to punch him in the it's, face it's, next time I see him. He really, he really, uh... He's got a, he's he got a baby far. face, but he's going to get far. punched in the mouth. That's why he's growing a beard. Because he's my friend, that. and I'm going to punch him in the face. Yep. Um, over to Cable and X-Force, number nine. And guys, get ready. This is a Frank Thierry special. We got Frank Thierry taking over for... I think Thierry already punched out Dennis Hopeless and took over for this issue. Yeah. That's the only logical conclusion, knowing hey, Hope- Frank... Hey, Hopeless, come here. Let me yeah. write Cable and X-Force <laughs> I got a punch issue. for you. Yeah. And then, I got uh, a knuckle sandwich. <laughs> so this I'm is sorry. You. Sandwich. Sandwich. Uh, that is, if you didn't know, our Frank Thierry impression. Yeah. Um, Chloe, I hope you get to meet Frank Thierry at some point because he is a charmer. When my wife first met Frank Thierry, her first reaction was, wow, you weren't exaggerating. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to the story at hand. It's a, it's a Hope-focused issue. Uh, all the stuff that's going on with Cable's team. Here we get to see Hope, what she's doing and where she's trying to get to. And she gets uh, waylaid 
by three members of the Uncanny Avengers. They're everywhere this week. Yeah, well, you know, they're uncanny, they're avenging, they're doing what they're yep. supposed to do. Cap, ha- uh, Havoc, and Rogue stop her to try and prevent her from linking up with Cable, and hijinks ensue. Nice callback to the Rogue-Hope dynamic of Days Gone By in this issue. A little ironic that, uh, or maybe appropriate, that once we lose Hopeless, we gain hope. Oh! All right, moving along quickly. Daredevil Dark Knights is a special eight-issue limited series uh, out of the Tom Brennan verse. It is going to be several shorter stories done by some really cool creators. Hold on a second. Yeah. Is there a whole Tom Brennan universe a Tom where Brennan everything universe. is sad? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, no. You've read his books. That's, that's where such books as Daredevil Dark Knights... Dark Avengers, where everything is dark and it's a horrible alternate reality. Venom, where everything's depressing all the time. Yeah, that's the that's the Brennan verse. Scarlet Spider, all the sad books. Um, <laughs> so, anyways, Daredevil Dark Knights is going to be an eight issue limited series. It's an anthology with three short stories, kicking off with a three parter written and drawn by Lee Weeks, which is really cool. I love this. It's called Angels Unaware. It opens with a huge storm hitting the East Coast, hitting New York, New Jersey, Philadelphia, and it follows two parallel lines where there's a family that gets into an accident in Philadelphia, and basically they're trying to... Their, their son is on life support. They're trying to get his organs harvested so they can save some other people, and they try to get their... I believe it's the heart to New York. Meanwhile, Daredevil was mugged. Matt Murdock was mugged because he was... Uh, the storm and the snow and everything clouded him a little bit. He ends up in a hospital with amnesia. It's how these two stories come together, how Lee Weeks weaves them together with real heroes, firefighters, doctors, etc., trying to hold things out here in the storm, and how Daredevil, slowly regaining his memory, comes into play. The art is gorgeous. There's a reveal midway there towards the end of the issue. Not like a mystery gets revealed, but something to do with Matt Murdock. Just the pacing is really, really nice. I really, really like this issue. I really like this story. It's a cool, as Tom Brennan aforementioned, describes in the uh, letters page, it's basically, you know, this is this is a standalone Daredevil adventure. This is what's going on when he's not hanging out in his normal book. And Lee Reeks really proves his chops. Obviously, we knew he was great an artist, but on writing as well. So definitely worth checking out. Don't let this one go under the radar. Speaking of Daredevil, we have, we have two Daredevil books this week, and neither one is the regular Daredevil series. Daredevil's all over the place. Daredevil End of Days, number eight, the final issue of this long-awaited limited series. We talked about it for years, how we heard about this thing coming together. It was going to be kind of the alternate universe or possible future last Daredevil story, written by Brian Michael Mendes and David Mack, amazing art by Klaus Janssen and Bill Sienkiewicz, colors by Matt Hollingsworth. David Mack also contributes some art in this issue. For seven issues, we have followed Ben Urich post-death of Daredevil, trying to piece together the mystery surrounding his death. We've seen all the big players from Daredevil's life. We've seen what they're up to. We've really seen Bendis and Matt create this beautiful whole Daredevil mythology, kind of bring everything full circle. And in this final issue, there's a new Daredevil. Uh, it spin, he spins directly out of 
Ben Yurick and what he did. He spins directly out of Matt Murdock. We get to see flashback sequences beautifully painted by David Mack about how this new Daredevil inherited his mantle from the original. And meanwhile, he is also still trying to track down the mysteries that Ben Yurick was working on earlier in the series. And by the end of this issue, we finally get an answer to what Mapone means. We see the Punisher one last time. We see Nick Fury one last time. The art is just phenomenal, both on the Mac pages and also the Jansen Sienkiewicz stuff has just been a treat. And the ending goes to a place where it's kind of like, it's a very satisfying ending. Nothing is left unresolved. You get everything you need, and this stands alone as a beautiful 80-issue series. But also, I, I was like, the whole series, I was waiting to get to the end. Like, I want to find out what happens. I want to find out what happens. Then we got to the end, I'm like, I could read more of this world. Yeah. Uh, they really created a really cool world and some really cool characters. It was totally, it was a it was worth the wait and it was um, I was very satisfied with the series as a whole because there's been so much anticipation built up since we announced this something like seven years ago six years ago. I, don't know, I was in like high school. Yeah, no, literally that long and it may have been. No, I wasn't. It, it took uh, it took forever for us to get to the series, but man, yeah, that was terrific. Very much worth it. Very satisfying read. Uh, when the trade comes out, when the collection comes out, when it hits Marvel Unlimited, read the whole thing start to finish. Yeah. It is a perfect coda to Brian Michael Bendis's Daredevil run from way back when. Over in Dark Tower, The Gunslinger, Evil Ground, number two of two. Wrapping up this later, dark, latest Dark Tower adventure, we've got The Gunslinger on yet another original story from outside of the books, written by Robin Firth and Peter David, beautiful art by Richard Eisenhoff. Fearless Defenders, number five, and Mark Brooks has been doing amazing covers for the mm. series, but this so far is my absolute favorite. Mm -hmm. It's a riff on video game fighting games. Uh, you've got uh, She-Hulk and Valkyrie on the cover, and then you've got your, your character select screen sort of at the top, and it's just it's really clever, really fun, and just gorgeous. And on the inside, by Cullen Bunn, with art by Will Sliney, and colors by Veronica Gandini. It's a super fun issue, as um, Valkyrie and Misty and Hippolyta and Danny Moonstar have to face the uh, Doom Maidens, these awful ancient Asgardian death warriors, essentially. Uh, and we get a great big two-page splash as... Misty arrives with the cavalry. She she calls in a bunch of heroes, and it's just super fun. After that, it's just like bam, 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 bam. Scene after scene of fun action and adventure with all these cameos and, and guest star appearances from uh, these great characters. And uh, we get we end on a note that's like, uh-oh. Just a big uh-oh. Over to Iron Man number 11, written by Kieran Gillen. I was going to call him Karen Gillen who was in Doctor Who. Line. But uh, no, it's Kieran Gillen. And they get confused frequently. I know, they do. Yeah. And uh, art by Dale Eaglesham. And uh, it's a gorgeous book. I mean, you know, I think any time we get a book by Dale, we start Love gushing about his amazing yeah. art. But for some, something about this issue in particular really got me. I mean, he does that old, that like 50s style look to people. Yeah. He does that really well. Um, who colored that issue? Who colored this? I think that has issue? a lot to do with it. Guru Effects. Yeah. Yep. They're doing great work. Uh, but this reveals a lot of this uh, this origin that um, the the robot was it four fifty one has been telling Tony Stark. You get a lot deeper into this mystery, a lot deeper into this uh, this history that is being uncovered for Tony Stark, and uh, we're getting close. 
Marvel's Thor The Dark World Prelude Number 1. It's a mouthful, but it's worth it. Written by our friends Craig Kyle and Chris Yost. Art by Scott Eaton. This is, of course, another tie-in to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, filling in the blanks between movies. In this case, we pick up at the very end of Thor, the original Thor movie, and kind of travel through the initial parts of Avengers, but all seen from the perspective of Thor and Asgard and the very Asgardians living there, as well as Jane Foster. Great art, great story, pretty cool read if you're a fan of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and want to get some perspective as we barrel down towards Thor the Dark World coming this fall. Yeah, if you liked uh, the Iron Man 3 prelude issue, which gave a lot of insight into where War Machine was during the events of the Avengers, this is great too. It, it really sets up a lot of stuff, and it's that's canon for the MCU. Mm-hmm. All right, over to Red She-Hulk, number 66, um, written by Jeff Parker with art by Carlos Pagulayan, and it's a really cool issue in that... It's it's one of our you know like alternate reality type yeah, stories. We one. get a lot of quirky stuff as uh, Machine Man and Red She Hulk travel to the nexus of all realities, meet up with Man Thing, and I uh, I really did like what Jeff did with Man Thing and Thunderbolts mm-hmm. and like reestablishing him and giving him sort of a personality and the idea that the way he speaks is all a matter of perspective. Like, he may speak to you in some Bostonian accent, like, hey, pa, you know, like that. Yeah. That's what it sounds like. Because of my strong Bostonian accent. Yeah, yeah. So that's how I hear To me, people. he may just sound like someone from Long Island. Um, you never know. Uh, Frank I, wish you could say, I wish you could say your signature line, but it's another company's character. Oh. Uh, the Long Island signature line that I know, I know you for. I don't even know what it is, but I like it. You told it to me a few weeks ago. It's about someone, oh, yeah, someone running yeah. for mayor. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. Anyway, uh, you get a lot of fun stuff in this and uh, a lot of punching. Really cool. A whole lot of punching. Superior Spider-Man number 11, written by Dan Slott, with help from our buddy Christos Gage, art by Giuseppe Camuncoli, finds the Spider-Slayer finally standing trial for the murder of Marla Jameson. And Spider-Man is determined to be there. Make sure this goes down. Make sure the Spider Slayer pays. Jameson wants him there as well. They're out on the raft. Jameson hates the raft. He wants it to be shut down. So that is a subcurrent right here. Basically, this issue evolves into a game of, I was going to say cat and mouse, but I guess like Spider and Spider Slayer. Same thing. As Spider Slayer has in place all these ways he's going to escape and get out of prison. And Doc Ock, as Spider Man, has as a supervillain himself and as someone who's incarcerated in the wrath, come up with all these countermeasures. So it's basically them having almost a duel of, this is the way I was going to escape. This is how I stopped you from escaping. And the question is whether or not Spider Slayer can get out. By the end of this issue, he finds an unorthodox way to potentially pull it off. Over in Thanos Rising number three, we get the feel-good uh, Descent into Madness. Yes. And Amazingly, not a Brennanverse title. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's really, this is the story of Thanos sowing his wild oats across the universe, getting uh, just more and more sick and sadistic and twisted, but yet at the same time lacking true emotion and feeling. And he's going around, he's just... he's making babies everywhere he goes, he's killing people everywhere he goes, but there's this sense of just menace and foreboding around the, the comic itself that I think is, is really a testament to what Jason and Simone have done here. It's another great, great issue and makes me love the character even more. 
Order Thunderbolts number 10, written by Daniel Way, art by Phil Noto. Uh, the Thunderbolts team are tracking down Elektra's brother, and they're just... They're, it seems like everything they do, something goes wrong. It's uh, yeah, they're the Thunderbolts. They are the they are. Uh, that's that's how it is. Yeah, Brennan verse and um, it's not the Brennan. This is not. No, that's the Jordan D. White verse. Oh, what's what's his universe like? Just yeah, heroes who can't get it together. Aww. It's them, Cable and X Force guys who just horrible things happen to them. Terrific. I guess the Marvel universe is all just various degrees of you know bad things. No, there's some happy go lucky offices, but yeah. not. Brennan or Jordan. Well, anyway, there's yeah. uh, there's a cameo in this issue by uh, one of my favorite Deadpool supporting characters. Which oh yeah, delighted me to no yeah, end. Yeah, me too. To no end. No end. All right, over in Ultimate Comics, Ultimate number twenty five. It is a new era. We have a new creative team: Josh Hale Fialkov and Carmine D. Gian Domenico. Bleep just got real. And we have a new right? story Bleep. arc in Ultimates Disassembled. And yes, Ezra Ryan is looting. This issue was insane. It was really good. I, yeah. You never know what to expect from the art team. I've enjoyed Josh's work on Alpha and on books for other companies. But, man, he cranks it right up to 12. Right off the bat, underneath the Triskelion, the Hulk gets loose. Reed Richards gets loose. The Ultimates are still trying to figure out what's going on with these Infinity Gems. And, uh-oh, the Hulk shows up by, like, page six wearing two infinity gauntlets amazing splash page where what does he say he just yells you guys are so bleeping screwed (laughs) and that just sets the tone we got the all black credits page and it's just an awesome all-out battle between the hulk and the ultimates you have callbacks to every era of ultimates going all the way back to miller and hitch the art is insane by dg and domenico uh with the art of the colors of jim Charo Lampetis, because this is the art team where you can't pronounce anyone's name. Uh, the inks by Lorenzo Ruggiero. But uh, I was I was super excited. This is this great battle between the Hulk and the Ultimates. That was awesome, and the art was great, and the colors are great. And then Reed Richards, who we love Ultimate Reed Richards, shows up. He's back, too. Oh, my goodness. He's got an Infinity Gauntlet, and they are both working for a bigger villain. Tony Stark calls in his Hulkbuster armor. Thor goes crazy. Sue Storm goes crazy. Captain America is just a badass like he always is. Look at this horrible thing that Iron Man does to Hulk. The art is gross. The art is great. Just one of those... One of those uh, oh, and there's another person working with the, ba- the bad guy team, quote-unquote. Yeah, this, but this, that's the thing. They may not be the bad guys. Exactly, exactly. And, which I thought was right. a great spin. Yeah, because it's all characters who have been heroes, who have been ultimates... It's really good. The yeah. big villain reveal at the end is good. This is one of those books where you can't really put it into words, as I am evidencing right now. Circumstances are much bigger than they appear. Yeah, this is, this is huge. This is going to be a great arc. Really happy to have Josh uh, working on this book. I think he's going to be tremendous. Yeah. And as we say hello to one great book, unfortunately, I have to say goodbye to one of my personal favorites over the last few months. I've really been talking this up. I know you love it, too. Yep. That's Jason Latour and Nick Klein's Winter Soldier, which comes to an end with issue number 19, but they go out with a bang. It's a gorgeous issue. Nick Klein, seriously, one of the most underrated, amazing artists out there, uh, and Jason Latour just wrote a great story. I love the retro art here. I love the dark use of stuff. It's Winter Soldier and the Electric Ghost's final, not even battle. It's kind of... Uh, Bucky years ago destroyed this girl's life 
but she doesn't see it that way. They tumble through time uh, as she wants to go back in time and, in her eyes, fix a bunch of things. But Bucky's trying to stop her. They jump into bodies of different characters from her past, from him pa- his past. It's a very trippy story. Uh, it's perfect for Klein's art, for Latour's writing. And by the end, there's also uh, Robards, the S.H.I.E.L.D. agent who's been helping Bucky out. It's a, it's a conclusion of his story. I hope we see him again. He's a great character. Electric Ghost is a great character. And a really nice final page for Bucky, who, of course, we'll see elsewhere in the Marvel Universe. But this was just a really, really great short run by the Torrin Klein. I hope we see them both on other books. Yeah, They're I, way too talented to go without anything. To me, this want. is like their ticket to do whatever they want to do. Yeah, exactly. And this is going to be a great standalone trade collection, whatever you want to do. It was just like, it's one, it's one of those stars that burns brightly, but just, just for too not long enough. Uh, it's the the la- that last yeah. page there. Last page is great. Oh, just a heartbreaker. Yeah, just a really nice wow. last page, but also yeah, very emotional. Oh. And then nice send off from Jason Latour and from Nick Klein. We talked a lot about this book on this podcast, and if you haven't read the issues, the whole thing's going to be out. Their whole run will be in one collection. So please pick that up and uh, show some love for these guys. Yeah. Over to X-Factor number 257, written by Peter David, with art by Neil Edwards and Carmine Carnero. And this is the, uh, this is the final arc for X-Factor. It's the first part, the end of X-Factor, and this one focuses on Layla Miller, trying to find and help Jimmy Madrox, who is still stuck in the demon body. And this is a great, you know, one-shot story where... You know, they're married. She's trying to save her husband. Mm-hmm. She's trying to find a way to, to get to him. And there's just some crazy, creepy stuff. Like, really, really, really creepy stuff that Peter puts into this issue. Uh, but it works super well. And it, it ends on a note that's, you know, it's, it's very open. We don't know where this is going to go for them. Uh, we have five more issues in the series. And I'm, yeah, it's great. Tour of the week time. I'm actually very curious to hear what your tour of the week is. This was an interesting week with a lot of good, a lot of good books and a lot of good under the radar books. Not your usual suspects. I think I'm going with Ultimate Comics Ultimates. Yeah, it's right up there for me. Yep. Um, Winter Soldier was good. Winter Soldier was Winter great. Soldier was good. Both the Daredevil books are good, and I think I'm going to go with Daredevil End of Days uh, just to kind of celebrate the achievement of yeah. what happened there. But I, you can't, I can't find fault with a lot of stuff this week. Yeah, no, it was a great week. Chloe, based on our descriptions, what would you be most excited to read? Um, I had to pick. I would probably go with, um, oh gosh, I don't know, um, probably Winter Soldier. Nice. Just because right. now I know it's complete, so I don't have to wait, I guess. Um, but at the same time, um, I'm most familiar, I think, with the MCU. Okay. And I think I'm really interested to get the background story of the Winter Soldier um, before I get into the MCU. Very cool. All right. Good cool. answers. Good debut. Awesome. Um, of course, we also have collections on sale this week in print. We have Pacific Rim, Tales from Year Zero hardcover. That's tying into that big old monster robot movie coming out this I can't summer. Can't wait for that movie. That's yeah. going to be pretty awesome. Like I, I shake thinking yeah. about how much I want to see that movie. Dude, it's, uh, as someone described, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's Stringer Bell and Jax Teller fighting Godzilla. monsters. Fighting but- Godzilla. I love Godzilla love so much. I know you do. It's oh. really creepy. Um, we have Spider-Man Danger Zone out in trade paperback. 
The original Wolverine by Claremont and Miller back out in hardcover. That is a great story. Wolverine Origin out in hardcover. Wolverine Sabretooth Reborn out in hardcover. Wolverine Season 1 out in hardcover. And then the big one, the like 80-pound omnibus Wolverine the Adamantium collection out in hardcover. It's literally 16 pounds. Yeah, it's huge. Um, you cannot read it in bed. It'll kill you, as I'm always worried with those big books. <laughs> my rational fear and x-men ghosts out in trade paperback so if you want to read some wolverine this week and you got some some cash on your hands, boy howdy do we yeah, have some you for are you. taken care of all right over to the marvel app tons of books including everything we talked about already uh in addition we have avengers number 400 crossing <laughs> was uh, over at that point never mind deathlock number one through four from the 1990 yep. series Toy mcduffie exciting Classic i want to read that yep uh fantastic four 60 through 66 from the um that's the wade waringo run i don't think it maybe i don't think it's quite there but it might be i think it I is i don't know but it's from from the 90s. Yeah. Um, and Incredible Hulk, numbers 1 through 9 from the 1999 series. Uh, we also have digital collections including Gambit, Volume 1, Once a Thief, Hawkeye, Volume 1, My Life is a Weapon, Marvel 1602, Fantastic Four, Secret Avengers by Recommender, Volume 2, Wolverine, Sabretooth Reborn, and Wolverine Season 1. I read a review of Gambit this week where the guy who was reviewing suggested that the one way it could be improved is if all the collection titles were pronounced as if Gambit was saying them. So it would be Gambit Volume 1, Once a Teeth. Once a Teeth. Once a, a Teeth. All right. Ugh. Over in Marvel Unlimited, a lot of great new additions this week. We have got All New X-Men number 2, Amazing Spider-Man Original Series number 432 through 435, as well as from Amazing Spider-Man, the 1999 volume, issues number 11 and 12, and 699. Avengers, the original series, number 368 through 369, which are both chapters of Blood Ties. Um, the crossover with the X-Men, featuring Fabian Cortez and Exodus. Obviously, it's amazing. <laughs> Avengers, number one, Marvel Now edition, so that's a big one. Avengers, Spider-Man, number 15. Captain America, original series, issues number 357 and 370. Daredevil, end of days, number three. Deadpool, Marvel Now series number three. Also, number two is, uh, I made sure number two is up there as well because mm -hmm. it, something happened with number two and mm -hmm. it wasn't there, so we had one and three. Number two is now live. First three issues coming at you. Hawkeye number five. Iron Man, Marvel Now number three. Marvel's Iron Man 2 adaptation number two. First issue of Marvel Now Thunderbolts. Ultimate Comics Ultimates issues 18.1 as well as issue number 20. Ultimate Comics X-Men number 19. Uncanny Avengers number two. X-Men Legacy, number two, and the most recent volume of Extreme X-Men, number seven. All right, uh, time for our first This Week in Marvel Unlimited Reading Club, I don't know, review session, where everybody, uh, you've read it, we talked about it, the book we chose for the first one was Avengers Forever. Uh, we put it up all special-like on uh, Marvel Unlimited, and we're going to do that for the next one, but now it's time to talk about Avengers Forever, what you guys thought about it. And we and, think this is our first one, because we've been talking about it yeah. on the show, literally, since we started. Yeah. We always give it as one of our favorite books, we always give it as kind of the quintessential Avengers story, and... Back to what you were saying. Yes. And uh, to do that properly, and this was Ben's idea, we brought in a ringer. We brought in Mr. Tom Brevoort, who worked on the series. Hello. 
And uh, he's reading through your, your comments and questions now, smirking and uh, enjoying them. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to dive into it uh, to see what you guys thought, and we'll, we'll chime in with our own thoughts as we get along. Um, I think we're going to get a lot of these types of comments, though. Well, before uh, we start, should we maybe uh, get a quick background from talking about Avengers Forever? Sure. How it came to be and the uh, process of getting started? Well, uh, Avengers Forever came to be because another project went belly up, basically. <laughs> Um, there was a point at which uh, Carlos Pacheco had finished working on X-Men and was interested in doing an Avengers project. Uh, this was right when we relaunched Avengers during Heroes Return mm-hmm. in 1998 or thereabouts. Yeah, there had only been a couple of issues out at that point. Um, and so uh, Carlos came into town and Kurt came into town and the three of us went off and uh, uh, you know went out to lunch or whatever and brainstormed based on ideas Kurt had had in the past for stuff he wanted to do or you know ideas for stories. This project called Avengers World in Chains. Um, and so that this was going to be the project that Kurt and Carlos were going to do. Twelve issues, Avengers World in Chains. Uh, Rick Jones was at the center of it. And uh, uh, in fact, there's a little bit of setup for it. <laughs> In an issue of, I think it was Hulk, at the time, right. um, that Joe Casey uh, wrote, uh, doing uh, you know doing some groundwork to to get Rick to where we needed him to go into this story, uh, and then uh, suddenly, and I say suddenly because <laughs> we didn't really know it was coming, uh, the book Mutant X started up, right. and there were certain elements and certain aspects of Mutant X that we felt were too close to things that we were going to do in World in Chains. At the time, you know, we had some conversations with people about it, and Bob Harris was like, well, you know, is there some way you can, like, you know, make these seem like two parallel projects or things that were leading to something else? Mm-hmm. Or, um, But we didn't really think that we could do that. Um, so it was a mad scramble at that point because we had a project, Carlos was going to need to start drawing at a certain point. Uh, we had certain immutable realities, such as the fact that we put a lot of legwork into setting up Rick Jones, so there had to be a Rick component to whatever we were doing. Um, and so relatively hastily, uh, Avengers Forever got got pulled together, uh, at least the beginnings of it, <laughs> um, you know, the broad strokes of it. Um, and in fact, in doing so, uh, we actually kiboshed uh, a Mark Wade Captain America story a little bit because Mark was do, was uh, set to use Kang in Captain America. If you look back at, I think it was his first mm-hmm. Heroes uh, Heroes Return Captain America issue ends with Kang, yep. and mm-hmm. Kang turns out to be somebody else, Korvac or somebody, yeah. and that's all our fault. <laughs> that was all because. Uh, we did Avengers Forever, and you know our intention, I think, was that it's Kang. He travels in time, so let Mark do whatever he's going to do in Cap, and it's fine. But the Cap editor at the time, I think, didn't didn't share that opinion or felt like if you're going to have two Cap stories going or two Kang stories going on at the same time, it's it's not going to be that effective. And so they went back and changed that all around. So. Uh, Mutant X had a, a domino effect wow. yeah. <laughs> on the Marvel publishing line of 1999. Um, yeah, so then uh, we did uh, Avengers Forever, and 
uh, you know, you'd be surprised as to how much improvisation there was <laughs> at the at the outset wow. uh, on it. Yeah, for such an intricate story, that's uh, hearing that it was not all planned out long in advance is kind of interesting. And how did Roger Stern get involved? Roger Stern got involved in the same way he got involved when uh, yeah, Kurt was writing Iron Man at around the same time, which was uh, Kurt had too much work on his plate. He had too many things to do uh, and could not accomplish all of them. He was doing Avengers and Avengers Forever and Iron Man. Uh, he was also doing Astro City and the other stuff on the side. And, and uh, you know, his health would have up, ups and downs. Um, so, uh, you know, he'd have uh, better weeks and worse weeks. Mm-hmm. Nothing chronic. He just, he was constantly getting sick. Uh, and, and so at a certain point, needing uh, some level of relief, Kurt suggested that he, you know, do some co-writing on some of these things uh, with Roger. Uh, so he and Roger, uh, you know, blocked out the back half of, uh, more like back three quarters mm. of Avengers Forever. Um, and uh, uh, I, I'm trying to remember, I think the way it worked most often was that Roger, yeah, they would they would talk and put together like a beat sheet for an issue, and then Roger would do a first pass on uh, a plot, because these were done plot or dialogue in the old Marvel style uh, and then you know Kurt would tweak or adjust that plot and Carlos would draw it and then Kurt largely would dialogue um, whereas on Iron Man I think it was a little more weighted towards Roger that Roger was doing a little more of the heavy lifting but I, it's been long enough that I could be off base on that cool All right good backstory stuff yeah. uh, so and it right. took it also it took uh, uh, 12 issues and it took about 15 months oh. to come out. That's not that bad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, 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 these days it seems <laughs> like it's fine. In those days it was like, oh my oh, God, yeah. it took forever to get that thing co- to come out. But that's. When it's, will those issues ever ship? It's, yeah. it's, so, it's so late. It's a huge story. The, right. the page, Carlos packs some stuff into those pages, though. Yes. Like, those are really detailed. Um, yeah, both. both both Carlos and uh, and his inker Jesus Marino. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Jesus shouldn't be overlooked in this either because no. while absolutely all the foundation and the storytelling, uh, and even a, a degree of uh, you know the plotting and and the, the story ideas all come from Carlos. Um, you know the, the the in terms of the finish, the finished look of the pages and the textures and and uh, the sense of fullness. A lot of that came from uh, Jesus. As uh, as inker, so he was uh, definitely a contributor. Nice, good. Um, all right, you guys had a lot of tweets. Actually, more tweets about the Reading Club Avengers Forever book than uh, we got for the regular podcast. So good stuff, guys. Uh, glad you joined us for it. First one, and I think that's going to be a symbol of a lot of these. Uh, one issue of Avengers Forever down, eleven to go. That's from at Silver Three RT. Um, but he says also uh, got four issues of Avengers Forever down. Decided uh, had some trouble with Marvel Unlimited. Was able to pick it back up. He says having never read comics like I do now, I've noticed they used to be a lot wordier. There it is a there's a lot of dialogue going on in that book. I will agree with that. It is it is definitely. I mean, Avengers Forever is 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 definitely a certain kind of story. Right. Um, it's it's perhaps much more aimed at a real hardcore Marvel fan than the average comic that we would do even then. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's definitely the sort of thing that, that rewards longtime readers, but that newer readers may just find 
uh, you know, for all that we, we took great pains to try to make yeah. sure everybody's introduced and brought on stage and, and you know, all the central concepts are laid out. It feels like there's a lot of, of background and a lot of backstory and everything, because there is. <laughs> it, it was actually one of the very first Avengers stories I read, because when I was a kid, I didn't really read Avengers. I was much more X-Men. Mm-hmm. So I, when Avengers Forever came out, I think I got it in trade, and that was my, during my period of, I was just like, all right, I don't know a lot about these characters. Rather than try to find an entry point, I'm just going to get the biggest trade there is <laughs> and then just learn as much as I can. So for me, I coming in pretty much fine. I knew who the characters were. I knew who Captain America was. I knew right. some degree. I actually enjoyed it that way because that way it was like, all right, now I just have this huge dump of information on my head. I get a great story out of it, and now I can go track down all the other stories referred to. Right. So you know, for some people who like to read that way, kind of get the front load of information that you may not understand at all at that time. But then that's just you know, that's you plot out your next year's worth of reading from there. <laughs> yep. Uh, Chris says he he was telling us to ref Gimlin finished Avengers Forever wouldn't have read the series without the reading club glad he did but it for some reason made him less interested in current events and ref Gimlin says it is fantastic no question and it makes you look at current event stories and realize they're very different Uh, another reply from Chris says very fitting choice for the reading club as well very similar themes to current Marvel Universe happenings interesting um, more from Chris, he says, robust, robust cast, good use of time travel, solid villains, great art, and scale of the story were pleasing. That is a very positive review. Yes. Yeah. Very nice. And uh, another one from Chris says, as someone who only read comics briefly as a kid and returned a couple years ago, man, they used to be worded. Another <laughs> one. <laughs> uh, uh, Ref Gimlet says, yes, I noticed that whenever I go back five-plus years in titles, so much content. And Chris says, it's not a bad thing either. It was nice that one issue took substantially longer to read. Yeah. So, How was, when Avengers Forever first came out, Tom, how was it received? Was it a pretty, because at this point, I think it's a very well-remembered book. Was it, was it universally well-reviewed and stuff like that? I don't know about universally. Mm-hmm. I don't know if any book is universally. But generally speaking, it was, it was uh, well-regarded. It sold well. <laughs> yeah. People were interested in it. Uh, you know, it was seen as a sort of a prestige project. Um, you know, it had uh, cardstock covers. It was a slightly better package right. than the ordinary uh, comic that we do. Um, and you know, we held we held the line at, at uh, not bringing in other guys to to help us out in, yeah. in deadline crunch. So you know, there was some uh, reflection of the fact that you know this was kind of a, a, a better than normal sort of book. And we wanted to be able to keep the consistency of, of the creators all the way through. Um, so I think it was, yeah, again, my memory of it is it was mm. generally pretty well regarded at, at, yeah. at the time. Yeah. Um, you know, like, like with anything, there are people that didn't like it, I'm sure. But yeah. I haven't heard a lot of bad things heard, said about Avengers forever yeah. through the years. At RRR, Chris tweets, While reading Avengers Forever for the Reading Club, I can't help but wonder how killing Hank in Age of Ultron would affect this story. Interesting. I think it would have been a far different story. <laughs> Very much so. It would have so. a lot. It would, yeah. have, it would have had at least two fewer characters. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, Drew Hamilton once says, Halfway through Avengers Forever, weird seeing Cap so unsure of himself. Also neat mm. seeing Rick Jones as a central character. I, you know, I didn't read, I wasn't re- I had never read the Captain America stuff during mm-hmm. that period where Cap was pulled in. So I also had that reaction the first time I read it. I was like, man, somebody... Some cap, come on, yeah. shake it off. Yeah. Get back in there. Yeah. That was kind of one of the reasons 
for choosing that iteration yeah. of cap was to give you a different cap mm-hmm. because at the same time these books were coming out, you know, you had a regular Captain America book and you had a regular Avengers book in which he was being, you know, standard normal cap with a triangular shield or uh, you know, whatever he was using energy in those shield, in those days, energy had, shield yeah. at, at past a certain point. Um, you know, so uh, you know, the idea of the Avengers Forever lineup, you know, overall was to try and give you a somewhat different cast mm-hmm. than what you were normally getting. So even Cap, who's effectively the same guy, is in a very different space yeah. uh, mentally and emotionally uh, for the course of the story. Um, Drew also says, finished Avengers Forever. It was long but entertaining. Never read a story with Yellow Jacket. Uh, what a tool. <laughs> Best Wasp portrayal I've read, and Kang is awesome. I would agree with all that stuff. Roger Stern could always write a great Wasp. He's my favorite, yeah. probably one of my yeah. favorite Wasp writers. Yeah, and she's, I just love her, yeah. you know, as the leader. She really, really pushes everybody further and further. It's great. Yeah. Um, and Raf Gimlin says, the story plucks Yellow Jacket out of his total toolness and Wasp out of her most confidence. So it's a well-selected cast. How, what brought you guys to picking those particular versions of those Avengers? Well, uh, with Yellow Jacket, I think it's just Kurt likes Yellow Jacket. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I liked that story, and Carlos remembered that that story, that first Yellow Jacket story, where he was sort of set up as a swaggering character who had yeah. killed Hank Pym, which seems to be a theme on this podcast. <laughs> you, know. Um, you know, and and uh, uh, you know, we were we had sort of talked about trying to get him a little more back towards that place in the course of the Avengers run. Um, and so even after Avengers Forever, we brought in the, the, the second iteration of Yellow Jacket as sort of an outgrowth, an outcome of Avengers Forever. He ran around in the book as a second Hank Pym for a while yeah. uh, in Avengers uh, before we eventually sort of uh, smushed two of them back together. Um, that was just a, an interpretation of the character that we dug a lot. Uh, and then in terms of the Wasp, and I don't think we knew that Roger was going to be involved oh. when we picked That's you know that, that iteration of the Wasp but again, uh, at that point, uh, Hank and Jan uh, ha- were not in the main series. In fact, I think we took them out at a certain point so they could segue into right. Avengers they were Forever. Like the, they were the reserve members. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so we sort of we, they were sort of benched so they could go into Avengers Forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, in the main Avengers book, it was sort of tough for the Wasp to to take that foreground role. In, you know, when you're talking about the real classic lineup, standing among Cap and Thor and Iron Man, it's tough to push her to the forefront. Um, but that was again an interpretation of the character that we always liked. So uh, you know, having a place to to uh, do that here yeah. with a slightly different mix of characters, it was just a little easier for people to swallow. If we'd started with that in the core book, uh, I suspect a lot of fans just would have rebelled against. Like, <laughs> no, way, there's no way these guys are taking orders. From the tiny woman, <laughs> I did. I, did, I liked how Carlos would always draw a yellow jacket with the like bit of honey bar, or whatever. I was like, where did he get that? They're going through the time stream, or like gum, or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, I had gum. Yeah, yeah gum. he always he always had candy on him, and I was like, they just it's like Brad Pitt in Ocean's Eleven in the Ocean's movies, You're always right. eating something. Yeah. yeah, but Brad Pitt's not like didn't just come from like ancient Egypt, and you know he's, he's like in this traveling you know Sphinx or whatever, and somehow he found a you know get you hungry a man. Snickers bar or something. <laughs> Hank yeah. brought the candy machine with him from the future when he traveled back to ancient Egypt. <laughs> and Yellow Jacket had a pocket full of coins. He could put quarters in and get the bit of honey out. 
this was also was this this must have been right before the Captain Marvel uh, book. Yeah, the Captain Marvel book came out of this. Came out of this, yeah, and it, because I I remember reading Captain Marvel before I read Avengers Forever, I think, because I read Avengers Forever in collection, right. and I remember picking up Captain Marvel for whatever the reason, liking it, and now having that connection, it's. It's great, and there's a great dynamic. Yeah, he was introduced. He was introduced that that version of him, at least. You know, Genus had existed. Yeah, with a ponytail. Yeah, even as Captain Marvel, you know, in uh, in sort of full '90s regalia before this. What was his original legacy? Legacy. Yeah. Um, But uh, you know, him as Captain Marvel and in the costume and everything, and and being connected to Rick Jones, all that was introduced here, uh, and then we spun off the the regular series at the very end of this. Uh, in fact, we did it very, very. You know, we, you, you could see that there was a little bit of coordination difficulty. That the, uh, you know, Peter came on to write Captain Marvel, and uh, he sort of started with the notion that, oh, this is all going to be set up already. I'm just going to go, uh, and Kurt had kind of intended to end, leaving it for the guy doing the book to set up. So you can see that it, it in that last issue. Um, it happens in like four panels. It's, it's this crazy sequence <laughs> yeah. where he hits the mega bands together, and he shows up. You know, suddenly like Legacy is there, and then suddenly he's in the morphs into the new costume, and it all just kind of it kind of happens because that was the the last minute space that we had to yeah. make it happen. But it got done. Yeah. So comics, comics. <laughs> um, at Turbo Addiction says, loving the Avengers Forever story in this week in Marvel Unlimited Reading Club. Any news on Marvel Unlimited Android app update so I can read offline? Eric, I have no update news yet, but I will keep asking the team. At Man in Black underscore twenty three tweets, spending my afternoon reading Avengers Forever and being very grown up by building Marvel Lego Avengers. <laughs> That's the way to do it. Uh, Gary also says rereading Avengers Forever, loving it, but there are loving it and the fact that there are two Hank Pym's in this, as right now, Age of Ultron, there are none. Yes, yes. <laughs> You've achieved uh Hank Pym uh equality. <laughs> You've evened out the Hank Pym uh uh allocation for for yourself this month. I you know, and I didn't even think about, you know, how people would reflect on Age of Ultron in regards to Avengers forever when I picked this just because we picked it because we love the series right so it's, it's cool to find everyone's reactions and how they relate it to what they're currently reading yeah yeah it's really neat uh, in number one and Gary also says in number one cap all broken up scares me but right in number 12 when he steps up and does what is needed is why cat Steve Rogers is Captain America that last those last two issues were just bananas I love <laughs> the hell out of those especially like when you just start throwing all the various Avengers, like the good Avengers, the bad Avengers, yeah, yeah, and like yeah. all the little cameos that they put in there. Yeah, a lot of the cameos, too, are just Carlos. Yeah. Uh, and there's there's stuff, there's characters in there from, from everywhere. Um, yeah, somebody somewhere online did, did a full set of annotations and got most of them. Because <laughs> I, I remember they, uh, somebody had sent, uh, sent to me and to Kurt and to, and to Pacheco uh, you know the stuff to look over or check over and whatnot, and it was it's incredibly uh, detailed. And really, only Carlos knows for sure who some of these guys are because you'll see an arm or a leg in some place, yeah. and they're all characters. There are characters in the backgrounds of that book that are from uh, obscure uh, 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 Spanish comics. Wow. <laughs> there are characters in 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 the backgrounds of that book that are you know characters that. 
Carlos created when he was a kid, <laughs> or just you know, in, in, in the back. Oh, someday there'll be Avengers too. And, um, now we own them. Haywood <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, HWView tweets: This series shows how much Hank Pym means to the universe. Thank you, Busiek and Pacheco, and um, the rest of the team: Roger Stern and Tom and everybody on that. Um, yeah, it's it it is a very a good love letter to Hank Pym in, in various ways. Sure, sure. At Registratus tweets, one page into Avengers Forever number one equals one hot tuna singlet, three ear piercings, two eyebrow piercings. Hashtag the 90s. <laughs> yeah, Marcus, it is. But I love that about it. It's not even just the 90s, though. You get a lot of looks at various time periods, and it's it's fun. Yeah, well, with, as with anything, yeah, the comics that we're doing today... Oh, yeah. 10 years, 15 years from now, you know, people will be looking back at it and going, oh, you know, look at look at all that crazy stuff that they were into in 2013. <laughs> wow. Gotta love the 13. Get all the teens. At M. Dor- thank, thank heaven we've grown so much since then. Yes, we have. At M. Doricut, Mike tweets, this week in Marvel Unlimited Reading Club is a great idea. Hope this is a regular feature. Glad you like it, Mike. We will be picking uh, our next selection as soon as Ben joins us back on the podcast and tells us what it is. <laughs> I, I've resisted asking because I don't want any spoilers. I want to know and react the same way that I'm sure most readers will or listeners. At Nolan J713 tweets, Heads up, looks like page 13 of Avengers Forever 2 is missing. There's a page from issue 1 in its place. Thank you, Nolan. I will let the Unlimited team know to to fix that and redo the book to make sure we're not missing any pages. It's part of all of the Byzantine time travel yeah. involved in the story. It's actually there that way deliberately because that page is very important. That's what we and did. the page that it replaced is not very important. <laughs> it's been erased from history until Ryan gets it fixed, in which case it'll be back. Yes. Uh, at Penelope Cat tweets... Uh, Avengers Forever number one. Amazing how much stuff Kurt Busiek introduces and references in the issue without losing me. And such great detailed art. Agreed. Number two is missing a page. We got that note already. Thank you, Penelope Cat. Uh, Another note for number two. Still loving how seamlessly Kurt explains essential continuity points within the story. If the internet had been around during Cap's Secret Empire story, would fans have treated Engelhart like they do Dan Slott? Probably, hmm. uh, honestly, probably, and maybe even a little more. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, that at the time uh, was a fairly hot button thing, um, just because of the, the the era, and you know, hmm. wherever you existed politically on the the spectrum in the in the seventies, you know, all the fallout of Watergate and the resigning of the president and so forth, that was real current event stuff. As uh, you know, Engelhart wrote that story, so for sure there would have been people. Uh, outraged about it uh, uh, online, yeah, um, and instead they were just outraged about it in their living rooms, <laughs> uh, you know, as they as they read their comics and in their and, comic shops. Yeah, well, it wouldn't even have been comic yeah, shops. Yeah, say know, in their, in their uh, at the newsstands, yeah, in their gas stations, and, <laughs> and at their convenience stores. <laughs> uh, Penelope Cat says about number three: Rick Dro- Rick Jones and Captain Marvel, more like Prick Jones. Very clever. Very clever. Uh, about number four, when in comics history did superhero time travel stories start to just be about meeting historical comics characters? I don't think it's just about that, but I think that's sort of the fun. I mean, if you're reading a story and it takes place in a different time period, like that, that's part of what's exciting about being there, running into these 
the versions of these characters at that time. For sure. Although I can, like, I understand the the you know the, the impulse. I think the sort of thing can be done well and it can be done poorly, or it can be oh just overdone. Um, you know, and having just done Age of Ultron, it's yeah. not like we don't still do this kind of thing yeah. where you know we spent the whole issue going back into 1967. And uh, you know, wandering around and skewering the poor <laughs> Hank Pym of 1967. Yeah. Um, you know, and and again, to some degree, it's it's nostalgic. To some degree, it just it uh, you know resonates with again readers who've been around uh, long enough to know and appreciate the comics of that era and the fact that there is this history behind the Marvel yeah. universe. Um, if the story is just about that, then it probably doesn't work very well. Um, because it, then it's just an exercise in you know here's a here's a comic book story about all these comic book stories. Look at look at these comics that we all read. Um, you kind of need to have something a little bit more at stake emotionally. Yeah. Than just that. Um, but uh, as long as you do that, uh, yeah, it's absolutely the the, the fun of of uh, playing with uh, these past eras and and uh, you know the publishing history and the story history of all these characters. Yeah. About number seven, Penelope Cat tweets, Really impressed at how Pacheco keeps the storytelling clear while shifting through a wide array of characters and locales. Also, a cliffhanger that really has me wondering what is going to happen next. Excellent. Number eight uh, says, I would not expect such, in quotes, uh, I would not expect such as you to understand the Byzantine schemes of Immortus. And how? This is a confusing one. <laughs> I think this is the second time we've heard Byzantine uh, in the last two minutes. I think yes. you said Byzantine. Yes. <laughs> nice. Uh, about number nine says, Honestly, these last two issues haven't been as much fun, mostly being recaps of stuff I've never read and not entirely clear. There's a little. Uh, Little finger wagging right there. Well, they're, again, they're not they're not necessarily wrong in that those two eight and nine were sort of the two history issues. We're 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 basically the the here's the here's the history of Kang. Here's the history of Immortus. Yeah, here's the I love the history of Kang though. I really like that was awesome. I was like, wow, this this dude is like all the things that he's doing, and yep. when he takes off the mask and like just seeing his face because I don't remember. Before that, having ever seen, yeah, I don't think even though you him. know he's like these other four characters, yeah, yeah. that that had just such a uh, an impact to me when I first read that. Yeah, yeah, I remember the history of Kang being one of my favorite issues because Kang was. I remember I had when I was a little kid, I had one Avengers issue. It was actually from the Roger Stern run when Kang was in the background doing his like background plot that was leading somewhere that I never read. Right. Um, so I had seen him visually, and I was like, oh, it's a cool-looking character. I don't know anything about him. So I think this was literally, like, my next exposure, because I didn't read any Kang stories between now and then, except maybe The Crossing. Um, <laughs> and, and so getting the whole story of Kang, I thought that was great, because I was like, you know, the, the he'd been so all over the place. He'd been so many different characters. You know anything about him. Getting it all chronologically kind of, this happened, and this happened, and this happened. I yeah. thought was I thought was really helpful, yeah. and I and I dug that issue, and that made me a fan of the character. Yeah, well, it's definitely those two are definitely a very deep dive. Yeah, um, and uh, you know, to some degree, the the thrust of the adventure kind of slows down as we focus. It's sort of why they're they're both sort of labeled as you know, interlude, reflections on the conqueror, <laughs> and you know, it, it's sort of a, a a pause before we go into the real act three. Yeah. Um, also, there was a lot of, of uh, confusing and conflicting and just plain bad uh, <laughs> uh, stories that had to be dealt with in the course of both of those. Uh, there had been a bunch of sort of uh, uh, contradictory or not quite carried to fruition or 
just plain bad <laughs> uh, tank stories in the 10 or 15 years yeah. before that. So trying to straighten some of that stuff out and put some luster back on the character was one of the things that Avengers Forever was designed to, to do. Mm-hmm. The Avengers really only have two villains yeah. that of, of any of any great import that are their villains as opposed to Cap's villains or Iron Man's villains or Thor's villains and so that's that's Kang and Ultron and you know there was a there was a point there was a time when you got a Kang story you got an Ultron story it was a big deal mm-hmm. uh, and then those characters suffered from they showed up an awful lot mm. and they showed up in a lot of stories that didn't necessarily uh, uh, you know play them as as uh, big guns mm-hmm. but just as kind of either you know cannon fodder or you know it's just uh, you know the schmo of the week uh, so having to kind of reconcile all of that stuff and to, to refocus down to know, wait a minute, Kang's got a point of view and Kang is interesting and cool in what he does. And he's different from Immortus, which itself is tricky because they're the same dude. Um, you know, I can see why somebody coming to this, especially somebody that has not read a lot of these stories, that it's, they're almost like, to a certain degree, reading a book report. <laughs> here's all the stories that Kang was in. Here's all the stories Immortus was in. And here's how... Uh, some of them that didn't seem like they make sense made more sense here, um, but there was definitely some wrangling <laughs> that had to be done there. We'll have to do uh, Ultron Unlimited as kind of a oh, companion yeah. piece down the line. Agreed. Uh, number ten, uh, reflecting on number ten, Penelope Cat says, "Interesting how the Timekeeper's concerns about humanity are echoed in the current Guardians of the Galaxy." That's true. Yeah, that's neat. Uh, that was planned. <laughs> about number <laughs> 11 <the> seeds. <laughs> <laughs> about number 11 really how else could this issue have ended and really could there have been any other final images final image for this penultimate issue uh, I don't remember what the final image is of it's 11. all the it's, it's, it's that when they the, like yeah here's here's yeah. all the good Avengers here we, yeah that was yes I, yeah we talked about that already and, there are some there are some characters very prominent in that shot uh, and the reason that they're prominent, they're, they're characters that, that most people today won't even necessarily remember or recall. Um, they were they were characters from an issue of What If that had seen print right before this. That was a What If Secret Wars had never ended. Oh, the kids, the uh, yeah, and they're they're, they're, they're like the kids. Of, they were yeah. sort of the next Avengers of that that, yeah. that era. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, the reason that they were there and so prominent was that the guy who drew that what-if was my assistant editor at the time, Greg Schiegel. Oh, all right. And so Carlos, knowing this and having talked to Greg, was, I would put them in, <laughs> in Avengers because they're the Avengers in this what-if and it'll be a thing. So That's uh, cool. like they're, That's I, I think cool. they're, they're really prominent. Like uh, Bravado yeah. is like right in the camera. Yeah. He's like the biggest figure on the, on the page. And that was a little... That was a little gift from uh, from Carlos to Greg. Nice. That's really sweet. And number 12, and the end. Great action, fantastic art by Pacheco, Marino, and Mounts, and a satisfying conclusion. <coughs> Glad you like it, Penelope. Uh, at Ref Gamlin says, although the premise is to get the most out of the Marvel Unlimited app, I can't help but go old school and post a picture of all 12 issues yes. in Mylar bags and with the boards. <laughs> well, that's fine. As long as you read the books, yep. we're happy. Uh, Robert has a ton to say. He says, uh, this is Week in Marvel Unlimited Reading Club, uh, about number one. So Immortus lives in limbo, but magic rules limbo. Is this the same limbo? Or is this timey-wimey and is, is his timey-wimey and hers hellish? It's an interesting question. I believe in some strange Mark Grunewald way that I don't remember off the top of my head, 
They are the same limbo. It's a big limbo is a big yeah. sort of shapeless place. Um, so uh, uh, I believe there is a connection between the limbo that magic goes to and the sphere that uh, ultimately uh, Immortus dominates. I mean, Immortus also dominates it in the future. So. Right. Uh, you know, he may have uh, you know profiles out and yeah. <laughs> you know, dusted dusted the soot out yeah, and cleaned, and cleaned it up a little yeah. bit by then too. Um, That's interesting. I never thought about that. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite Avengers themes is the hodgepodge teams thrown together like in Chaos War, Dead Avengers, uh, Avengers Forever is the epitome. Yeah, I love. You know, we love those types yeah. of stories. The. the Almost what if he type stories, the alternate universe, the, right. the things where you pull all stuff together, it's yeah. great. They were yeah. kind of, yeah, they were the ultimate hodgepodge team. Yeah, yeah well, the, the, again, the, the thing about that that uh, was interesting to a lot of people is we pulled Songbird and uh-huh. Captain Marvel from the future. And literally to this day, I still get people that are asking, when will Songbird <laughs> when join the Avengers? Avengers? She's not in Thunderbolts right now. Could she, is she joining the Avengers? When's yeah. she going to be in the Avengers? Yeah, I instantly became a Captain Marvel fan coming out of that because yeah. I had I had bought the Silver Surfer annual where he's introduced for his legacy, and, yeah, I was like, yeah. and that was right in my wheelhouse. I was like, ah, oh, long ponytail, leather jacket. <laughs> this, guy, this guy's the coolest. And then when I came back around, the nineties really were your decade. They were. They lived for you that. You just justified stuff. all the comic book making decisions of the nineties. Well, no, I was the target audience, and every time I. Every time they gave someone long hair and earring or something, I was there. So they were, <laughs> they were on to something when they were making those millions of dollars. But I hadn't seen them in years. So then when I circled back around, and, and I love the towards the end of issue 12 where he actually shows up as legacy and then yeah. turns into his much cooler Captain Marvel. <laughs> so I was, I was all on board for that. Nice. Um, new word learned, scrivener, a clerk, scribe, or notary. Hashtag comics can teach. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, another one from Robert who says Wasp taking charge in Avengers Forever 2 reminds me of those times when she led the team she totally rocked respect to Jan should remind you of that that's that's her thing yeah um, see more of that in Uncanny Avengers as we move ahead nice, nice. so Rick, Rick remembers all that stuff too awesome uh, Avengers Forever had some killer chapter titles the city at the heart of forever epic <laughs> that's true those were great chapter titles because it felt like Silver Age chapter titles. Now they're very, they're very Roy Thomas. Yeah, exactly. They, they've got that kind of cadence, drawing yeah. from uh, you know yeah. other literary sources and things, and just twisting yeah. them a little bit. It felt, yeah, it was. It felt like either Roy Thomas or when Harlan Ellison would come in and do like his. his yeah, well, typically when Harlan would come in, Roy yeah. would Roy would do the, the scripting or whatever, yeah. and so yeah. I tend to think of those that's as kind of the same. That's what it reminded me of. Yeah, like the brood at the heart of the atom. Yeah, that Hulk story was called. Um. Avengers Forever is a classic example of a time travel story where you don't really know what's going on, but still enjoy it. <laughs> Hopefully by the end you've figured it out. Fortunately, we knew what was going on, yes. so uh, we could at least keep control of it. Uh, Robert says, Totally forgot Thunder was a member of the future Avengers in Avengers Forever. New Avengers Alliance purchase, methinks. So that's great. Yeah, it's, there you go. it's awesome. And I, it was a nice little bit of synchronicity. Yep. Uh, and also Thunder was in Fearless Defenders this week, so mm-hmm. check her out there. Um, Seeing Killraven in Avengers Forever made me recall his return in Bendis' Avengers Heroic Age arc. Right. Where is he now? Boy, people ask me this and like the third or fourth time. Maybe it's the same person. Yeah. And I answer it exactly the same way every time. And I am dead serious. He is working as a barista in Soho. Yeah. <laughs> 
Rick and I worked this all out one yeah. day on a phone call. He's he's down in Soho, at a, at like a whatever the you know the Marvel Universe equivalent of a Starbucks is, making lattes. Because what else is he going to do? We'll fight Martians for all those years. You just want to a normal job. Yeah, that's it. Quiet life, yep. relax, enjoy, enjoy it. And you know, waiting for waiting for a story to break out around yep. him so he can like. You know, take off the apron, yep. pull out his big crazy sword, <laughs> yep. and go jumping out to, to, to tackle whoever it is. Nice. Uh, Robert says, really enjoying Avengers Forever 4 as it crosses over with the classic Avengers issues I've been reading. Plenty of hashtag two-gun kid. Yeah, I love the, that. I really like that sequence in Avengers Forever in the sense that uh, Songbird is like, do not engage. Yeah. Constantly, <laughs> like, stopping them from yep. doing stuff. I thought that was hilarious. It was a really fun sequence there. Uh, Robert says, The appearance of 50s Avengers in Avengers Forever 4 is originally what sparked my passion for the Agents of Atlas. Loved it. Yep. I mean, at what point did, did you guys... Were you involved when Agents of Atlas came back? Yeah, I was around for it. And in, in, in fact, uh, I, I think I, you know, I, by extension of Avengers Forever, uh, dinged it a little bit because when it was, the, it was very first pitched... Uh, Jeff Parker and uh, Mark Panisha pitched it as Secret Avengers. They're like the Secret Avengers team that were act- active in the 50s that nobody knew about. Mm-hmm. And I had to go, well, uh, you know, I got two problems with that. One, I don't think there should have been an Avengers team before the Avengers. Right. Now that we've done the Avengers 1959 story, <laughs> yeah. I kept my words, but but that was... When, and the second one is we actually erased them as a, as a as an Avengers team from history in Avengers Forever, so they were not actually there. Um, so I was a little bit involved. It was mostly Panic and Jeff that figured out how to sort of reimagine those characters as the mm-hmm. agents of Atlas. Um, but uh, they could have been secret Avengers. Mm. Uh, the most unbelievable part of Avengers Forever so far? Not time travel, no. It's the fact that Jan has problems running in heels. <laughs> That's why she's got the wings. <laughs> uh, with current Age of Ultron madness and Avengers AI on the way, will we see Jocasta actually marry Machine Man? Um. Well, I, I guess uh, you know, only time will tell. But uh, there's a there's a Jocasta head that's floating around in Secret Avengers right now. That's a little important. Mm-hmm. Yes. Halfway through the reading club selection, Avengers Forever, and so glad it was suggested. Looking forward to the next suggestion. We'll get to that shortly. Uh, Robert also says, I get the nagging sensation that Executioner's Song will be the next choice. Why not? I've never read it. I don't believe so because I don't think it's on the app yet. No, it'd be too easy to yeah. talk about that, book, that story all the time. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get to it, just not now. It's also, it's not Executioner's Song, it's, it's Executioner's Song. That's true. Because Executioner's yeah. Song would have been actionable. <laughs> Again, seriously, not kidding. Interesting. Wow. It started out when they, they were first talking about yeah. it as Executioner's Song. And, you know, it was, uh, they did a, you know, a trademark search or legal thing or whatever, yeah. and you know, with the movie and the book and so forth. Couldn't call it ex- ex- Executioner's Song, wow. so they called it Executioner's Song. And then, thereafter, the legal department came and said, we should do something to, to further protect this term, right. Executioner, so they introduced the, the Executioner, executioner. <laughs> in an X-Men annual the next year. Oh. That was a... I really like that annual. I don't remember who the artist was on Jason it. Pearson, I Jason, think. Oh, oh wow. really good story. Uh, 
Anyway, we digress. Yeah. <laughs> uh, back to this. Robert says, Avengers of Forever 8 is the best of all retcons as 35 plus years of continuity is sewn up and accounted for. Here's why I love Marvel. See? Number 8 gets the love. There we go. There we uh, go. Um, Robert says, forget the Cyclops was right t-shirt. Let's see a T that says Amortis was right in at least one timeline. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Avengers number forever number nine is Kang explained. Yep. Uh, Robert says, taking time to enjoy the final page of Avengers forever 11, identifying as many heroes as I can. Happy to see Hornet from Slingers. Yeah. You're the only one. Oh, I I kid, I kid. (laughs) Uh, And last one from Robert, he says, And lo, that's Avengers Forever 1 through 12, read from start to finish. I don't think I've ever sat down and read it in one go. Still epic. That's even more epic that you did read it in one go. Yeah, Yeah. Good job. At Didunkleians, Ryan Hood tweets, Just finished Avengers Forever number one. I'm suspicious that this will be too crazy and cosmic for me, what with Kang, Amortis, etc. But I'm excited. And then we get nothing else from Ryan. So we don't we don't know if he finished it. I guess it was too crazy and cosmic for me. Yeah. Uh, at Asbiv tweeted, How can I decide? Arrested Development Season 4 on Netflix or Avengers Forever for a reading club? Never a longer, need a longer weekend. Hashtag first world problems. Yeah. Excellent. Um... Asbiv says, really enjoying Avengers Forever. Two issues left. Great suggestion from H&M. And that covers all the Reading Club tweets. There you go. Cool. Thank you, Tom, for joining yeah, us on sure. this. It's our cool. first time. It's I learned so much more about the series. Yeah, it's great. That was really neat. As, as one of our favorite stories of all time, you kind of get some of the background behind that. Well, happy, to, happy to do it. So yeah. if you read more books that I worked on, and what are the say, odds of that? I'm going to all books that Tom edited. Yeah. Um, but the next one we do will not be one that Tom edited. Dun, I don't, dun, dun. I don't think. I don't think. Uh, and we are going to go, since we've been talking so much about the Novan Guardians Galaxy story lately, and we referenced it so much, we're going to read the original Annihilation series, which you can find on Marvel Unlimited in its entirety. You do not need to read the all the tie-in limited series and all the build-up and stuff. We'll just go for the main main book. I was involved in that. Tom was involved in it. We did it. So maybe we'll have Tom back on. <laughs> it was really Andy Schmidt who remember, was working yeah. uh, you know, as my associate editor yeah. who put that all together and so forth. Yeah. But because he was working in my area, you know, I had oversight on it. And I, maybe, maybe we'll have you back again. I won't have as much to talk about yeah. as Avengers Forever. <laughs> yeah. That was mostly Andy. But. Yeah. All right. So good. Uh, Avenger, uh, Annihilation will be our next selection. We're going to change things up a little bit as I was going through this i think um next week we'll do our this week in marvel questions and comments the week after that we'll just do Mm -hmm. reading club tweets and then the following week we'll take two weeks worth of this week in marvel questions and comments so we don't blow out these episodes to be super long i think that's going to be the easiest way to do it we'll keep tinkering yeah until we find the right way to do it rock and roll all right awesome thank you tom All right, time to kick it over to Stromy for some video game, movies, and TV stuff. Hello there this week in Marvelites. This is Marvel.com Associate Editor Mark Strom, sometimes known as Stromy, coming to you from beautiful and gorgeous and wonderfully nice Los Angeles with the latest in what is on sale, in stores on air, etc., etc., this week in Marvel. Beginning with our big news item, Marvel Heroes, the MMO, has finally launched. It is now open to all. It is free to play. You just need to go to marvelheroes.com, sign up for an account there, download the game client, install it, and 
get to it. So you can, of course, start off with one of five starter heroes. Hawkeye, Storm, Scarlet Witch, Thing, and Daredevil. Yes, those are the five starter heroes. And there are tons of other heroes available in the game. You get more heroes as random drops throughout as you go along. You can also purchase heroes or alternate costumes in the store along with a ton of other items. Check it out now, marvelheroes.com. I know Ryan will be talking a bit more about all of that later on. But we also have two brand new episodes of Marvel's Ultimate Spider-Man debuting this Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time inside Marvel Universe on Disney XD. First off, we've got a new episode featuring Iron Man and a new take on a classic, or at least what I consider a classic Spider-Man villain, Swarm. If you remember in the comics, Swarm is a evil Nazi scientist made completely out of bees. He's a little bit different in the series, but I dig it. And it also features a nice little nod to fans of the Spider-Man comics in a battle between Spider-Man and Juggernaut, in which Juggernaut takes... Well, he gets taken down in a manner very similar to the classic story Nothing Stops the Juggernaut by Roger Stern and John Romita Jr. from The Amazing Spider-Man. So check that out. And following that episode, you get another all-new episode featuring Thor this time around as Loki returns with the Destroyer in tow this time. And Loki transforms Spider-Man, Thor, Iron Fist, White Tiger, Power Man, and Nova into miniaturized versions of themselves. So they spend almost the entire episode miniaturized, but it's great. They look like those little, um, I don't know how you describe them, those little, you know, the little guys with the big heads that you see in sort of the interstitial gags that run throughout the series. Anyway, I enjoy it. I thought it was incredibly cute. I always love those little scenes in between other scenes and cutaways. So I was very excited to see a full episode of it. And that pretty much covers everything that I have for now. But I'll be back with you again shortly to talk about some more Marvel movies, TV, and games news. All right. Thank you, Stromy. Time for some news, Ben. All right, we got plenty of big comics news this week. First of all, we've been all week teasing something about who is mighty. It has to do with Infinity. We are building up to really, really big news on Friday. Uh, not sure when this is going to go up on Thursday, so I will play my cards close to the vest, but say we have shown some videos, we've shown some images that certain characters have been revealed as being mighty, uh, in particular Luke Cage and Spider-Man. What that has to do with anything, you will learn as the week goes on, and we'll have much more to talk about probably next week in regards to that. I've been running a series with Brian Wood called Welcome to the X-Men, uh, focusing on the cast of his series, The X-Men, or just X-Men, Objectiveless X-Men, and he is going through detailing the characters. So far we've covered Storm, Rogue, Psylocke. We'll be covering Jubilee this week as well. Spoke to Sam Humphreys about Avengers AI, first interview he's done with us about that new series. Very exciting stuff. Had first looks at all new X-Men and Iron Man issues coming up. And closing out this week, we're going to be looking at some of the 
Infinity Tie-Ins for Avengers, talking to Lindale Francis Yu as well as Jonathan Hickman about what they have in store, and also talking to Rick Remender and Salvador La Roca, who is going to be doing an issue of Uncanny Avengers. Finally, last week, we launched a new Marvel.com homepage, lots of new features, lots of new looks, and it is also fully responsive for mobile devices. So if you haven't already taken a look at that, give it a look, and we've got some information on that elsewhere on the website. Yeah, and that's uh, that's just the, the homepage. We will roll out lots of new features and updates across the rest of the site in the coming months. Um, I'm going to L.A. next week, so I won't probably be on the podcast unless I record something with Stromy in, at Marvel. Who am I getting? I don't know. Oh, my God. You're on your own or with Blake. No. There's got to be another way. Win-win. I have all the interns in to serve as one co-host. I'll be out there for E3. Uh, We've got some video game stuff, some news, not a ton, but some. So I'll be out there. I'm also going to go do some S.H.I.E.L.D. stuff, some some stuff for Thor The Dark World, and, you know, a variety of things that I can only do when I'm really out in L.A. So it should be very fun, and I will bring back any details that I am allowed to talk about. Uh, Also... Today, or by the time you're listening to this, Marvel Heroes is live. It's about dang time. I've been playing the the full game, uh, the final game now for a couple days. Uh, playing as, a, I think I played as Rocket Raccoon, Daredevil, Storm, Thor, and Cable so far. Nice. Uh, because I have the ultimate pack. I have every character with all their costumes that Who's are currently released. So far, it's probably Thor. Interesting. Um, Not Cable. I, I, I've been going back and forth. Mm-hmm. It's, Cable has some some really cool stuff. He has this great like mind blast thing, and like uh, he's got all kinds of fun things. But you get to you can have pets in the game. And so I had uh, old lace. I like found her, and so she just follows me around. It doesn't do anything, but it just <laughs> looks cool. It's really great. Um, yeah, it, it's a really really fun game. And I think anyone who is worried, oh, my, you know, my Wolverine's on screen and there's another Wolverine, there's all these different costumes. Mm-hmm. Then there's effects you can put on characters. Like, I saw a, a Daredevil who had his head on fire, and he had, like, this, you know, like, the um, as Shadowland. Daredevil, as Daredevil does. Yeah, but, like, you could put these effects on people, so it's so different from everyone else's character. So it's character. like a Ghost Rider Daredevil? It's just Daredevil. Ghost with, Devil? Yeah, Ghost Devil. Dare Rider? Yeah, Dare Ghost. And, um... So it's really cool. It's free to play, marvelheroes.com. Download it if you have a strong enough PC. And get in there. You can start with, you know, Daredevil, Storm, Hawkeye, Scarlet Witch, and one other character whom I can't remember off the top of my head. But Not, not Cable. Not Cable. You had to get him. You have to All purchase right. Cable. Uh, but, you know, a lot of fun. You can play the whole game through, even to the boss, uh, without paying a dime. And super fun. Kick it over to Mark for more news. Welcome back once more this week in Marvelites. Marvel.com associate editor Mark Strom joining you once more for the latest in Marvel TV and games news. Kicking things off, we mentioned that Marvel Heroes, the MMO, is now live and open to the public. But 
we've got the four-part prelude to Marvel Heroes now on the Marvel YouTube channel as well as Marvel.com. This is a four-part series called The Chronicles of Doom. It is written by Brian Michael Bendis, who I think some of you may be familiar with, and drawn by Lee Garbett and Ron Lim. It tracks Doom's quest for the cosmic cube it's great stuff check it out it's a great intro to the story we also have the opening cinematic to the game which the final part of chronicles of doom leads directly into see how that is so you can check that out right now as well on marvel.com as well as the youtube channel our youtube channel at youtube.com slash marvel In other video games news, we have the third installment of the Deadpool Visits Marvel HQ video series. And in this one, Deadpool finds the worst wall ever in Marvel headquarters. What wall is that and why is it the worst wall ever? Head on over again to Marvel.com or YouTube channel at YouTube.com slash Marvel to check out. And, as always, the Deadpool video game is coming out very shortly. It is less than three weeks away now as you are listening to this. It hits Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3 on June 25th, so we'll be bringing you more on that in the coming weeks. Now in the world of Marvel Animation, we also have some new stuff for you from Marvel's Avengers Assemble. This week we have a podcast with star Adrian Pazdar, who voices Iron Man in the series. This will be going up tomorrow, if you're listening to this on Thursday. It will be going up on Friday. Or if you're listening to this on Friday or over the weekend, it's up there right now. So you should head to Marvel.com right now to check it out. We also have some very cool line art from the series, giving you a behind-the-scenes look at how the animators and illustrators go about bringing our heroes to life in the series. And you can check all of that out. Uh, If not, as you're listening to this, very shortly. It will be going up on Thursday, but I am three hours behind you, so sometimes Ben gets this podcast up when it is still the wee hours for me and I have not had a chance to come in and put stuff up on the interwebs yet. So check that out on marvel.com either right now or very shortly. And we have another full episode of Marvel's Ultimate Spider-Man Season 1, Episode 14 up for streaming for free right now on Marvel.com. It is the episode entitled Awesome, which features an appearance by the Juggernaut, who if you'll remember, is also appearing in one of this Sunday's all-new episodes of the series. And it also features Awesome Andy, who I love. I don't know. Awesome Andy, he's, you know, the living android he's yeah he's always had a special place in my heart for some reason i love that weird rectangular block shaped head with the like six pack i don't know i love him anyway check it out right now on marvel.com streaming for free full episode with that i have nothing more for you this week so i bid you adieu and i wish you a fantastic weekend an even fantastic er week, and I will speak with you once more 
in seven days. All right. Thank you, Mark. Time for This Week in Marvel questions and comments. Just a reminder, you can tweet using the hashtag ThisWeekInMarvel, and we'll get to your questions and comments in an upcoming episode. You can also tweet directly to at AgentM, at BenJMorse, at Blake Garris, or at Strami. First up, at Wrath Starblade tweets, I'm loving Marvel Heroes. My username is Wrath Starblade, in case anyone wants to play. That's Wrath with an R, not with a W. Right. R-A-T-H-S-T-A-R-B-L-A-D-E. Uh, my Marvel Heroes username is the real Agent M, currently, until they can give me Agent M. Fall for no imposters. Yeah. So are there imposters? Oh, man. Yeah. Think about that. Another one from Aaron, he says, loved X-Men number one. I'm already hooked. A lot of people are. Terrific. Big, big positive reviews for X-Men number one this week. Last one from Aaron, he says, Superior Spider-Man and Deadpool, best team up ever. Bold statement. Yeah. Very bold statement. At Forgot You Talked, why don't you guys ever talk about Superhero Squad Online? They have new comment, they have new content almost every week. That's a great question, and that we should be poking Strami about, because yeah, he's the one on that beat. Alright, so we will note to Strami that in his segments he should give little updates on Superhero Squad Online, because they do update frequently, yep. and they do a great job. And they have, <laughs> it's a super fun game, great content, especially if you have kids, uh, It's you play it in a browser, you can hang out with them, find cool stuff, it's a great way to learn about Marvel, if you're, uh, if, you know, for young kids. At Demox21, hey, do you think Dan Slott will expand on Spidey's powers and give him a few new ones like JMS did in the other? Uh, I think he's sticking with the traditional power set for now, but one thing Dan has done, particularly since Doc Ock has taken over, is a lot more gadgets and a lot more things incorporated into the costume. So even though he might not have the natural powers that he gained during the other he has, you know, almost a facsimile of some of those and some other new tricks up his sleeve, depending on what tech and what costumes he's using. And also, if you're a big fan of the other, you should be checking out Scarlet Spider right now, because some direct ramifications are taking place over there with Kane. We're in the dark bosom of the Brennanverse. The dark bosom of the Brennanverse. <laughs> That's great. It's going to catch on. Yeah. Gunhild's Gold tweets, Just listen to This Week in Marvel while sunbathing. Great how Agent M, Ben J. Morrison, Strami can make lying still for an hour seem fun. I replied to this over the weekend. I said, yeah. that's what we designed this for. Yeah. It was, this podcast is made for sunbathing. Yes. Uh, another one from Gun, she says, Also, what do you think about the new way to earn lockboxes, better or worse than the last? It's Avengers Alliance, of course, yeah. and the new... Not new, but one of the new ways you can earn lockboxes um, is winning PvP battles during the PvP tournament, and I personally love it. Yeah. Uh, I was going to play the PvP anyway. Yeah, exactly. It's just added incentives. You get your five battles in every day to get those lockboxes, and you can get them a lot quicker that way. Yeah. Um, so I think it's fantastic. That said, I still don't have Juggernaut. Neither. I've been waiting on the last cover for about a week and a half now. I'm waiting on the last cover about two days now. Mm. So hopefully I'll get Madness. it. Hopefully I'll get it before you. I no. At James Harrison tweets, War of Heroes needs one thing to make it the greatest card game ever. An auction house where players can buy and sell cards. I don't know what that means. Uh, <laughs> James, that's, uh, I don't know, maybe that's in the plans for the team. I'll nose around. I don't know if that's a thing, but um, we'll see. Yeah, like a, like a Barker who's like, hey, going on, it's going twice, it's going twice. It'll be Frank Cable, Cable, No, Thierry would be like, hey, you mooks, buy these cards or I'll shiv you. Yep. Pretty yep. much. There you go. Another one from James, he says, With many intellectual properties in the same company, what's the chance to see some epic crossover books, i.e. Captain America versus a Sith? No. Nah, nah, no plans. Another one from James, he says, Marvel has hit home runs with Marvel's now Thor, 
with the Marvel Now Thor and Iron Man stories. Keep up the good work. Thanks, James. Will do. I'm working hard on that. Uh, Jeffries James, will you guys be giving Marvel heroes as much love and attention on This Week in Marvel as you do for Avengers Alliance? You better believe it, yes. uh, because I'll be playing... Like, every day. I really um, just want to go home and play right now. If I wasn't going to L.A. next week, I probably would have taken a day off to play. It's good to know. Yeah. It's good to know your level of commitment. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, if I get it, I want to play the heck out of it. I, Ryan and I were just talking yesterday about me potentially getting a better PC or uh, system so I can start playing more of the games like Marvel Heroes and stuff like that. But I'm sure we'll be talking about it plenty. James Rayner 9... Three ninety nine with free digital code. Can't that be made an option to choose two ninety nine without the code? I'd buy six more series. Uh, it's an argument that's been going on for a while. You know, stuff to do with price point is beyond stuff we really want to talk about here on the show. But there's a lot more considerations than just all right. We can give you two ninety nine without the code. Uh, it has to do with paying talent. It has to do with keeping books going. Uh, there's a lot of factors that go into it. it, it on the surface, that sounds like a great solution. You know, if you just want to pay two ninety nine, you don't want the digital code, great. But there are ramifications that would happen with that. We try to keep as many as our books affordable as we can, and if we do make them three ninety nine, we do like to give you guys something extra, be it a free digital code, be it AR, something like that. So that's the short answer, as opposed to the more long, boring, convoluted one. At Chicago Wolf Rose tweets, Will I be alright with just the core six issues of Infinity, or will I miss a lot without the tie-ins? Hashtag low on loot. Uh, you'll be fine with just the six issues. I've read some of the scripts. They do a good job of saying, hey, here's what's going on. They'll, they'll cut to scenes from Avengers, cut to scenes from new Avengers, cut to scenes from other stuff. So, as with any Marvel event, if you just read the main series, you'll be okay. Um, if you do somehow get high on loot, sounds really inappropriate. Yeah, is loot you, a new designer drug? Get, Chloe, you're a college student. Is that a thing? Loot? Uh, Are the kids doing I'm loot? Well, no. Oh. no she, but she's, she's, the, she's clean cut. Yeah. We wouldn't hire her otherwise. We don't hire loot heads up in here. <laughs> yeah. You know, we don't hire kids who are on the loot. Um, but getting back to the original point, if you can get those Avengers and New Avengers stories, they're going to tell the full story that you're seeing part of in Infinity. It's definitely added value. But if you can only get Infinity, you will get the entire story there as well. Yeah, and if you just read the main story, uh, if you have a Marvel Unlimited subscription a bunch of months later, you'll yeah. be able to read all the tie-ins as part of your subscription. Exactly. So make sure, just make sure you read Infinity. Alright, at Jack of Knaves tweets Marvel employee, yeah. Faustini He says, heard the ice cold truth of Lorraine Sink on This Week in Marvel Devastating Yeah, a lot. I got, I got that reaction a lot this week yeah. She was When she heard that we had talked about her On the podcast and what we said Because of course she went through and listened okay. Fast forwarded and listened for herself um, It was scary, it was a tense moment Yep. Uh, I survived, but who knows what's going to happen. And then Christina Fahm, Strami's former intern, yeah. and now she works at Marvel Animation, I think. Uh, she says, do I dare listen to This Week in Marvel? I don't even know why that's a question, Christina. Ten twin demerits to you. Because she was scared of hearing about Lorraine. Mm. And then Lorraine says, it's best. It's probably best that everyone knows the truth. Yeah, it's not the tune she was singing last week. Mm. Very mm. interesting. Mm. At Raph underscore AB tweets, Last time I read about Jubilee, she was a vampire. Is she still one in X-Men? Sure is. Sure is. Still a vampire. Now, the last time she was... Um, last time we saw her, she mm-hmm. was training to, like, control her vampir- vampiric instincts and Correct. tendencies. So, while she's still a vampire, she's a changed vampire, part of yeah. that, that group. 
So the forgiven. The forgiven. Yep. So she's got a little more under control, but she's still a vampire. Yep. Um, and she cannot make crazy confetti fireworks anymore. She still doesn't have that power. Yeah. She's different powers. It's too bad. Wah, wah. At Ref Gemlin, a great point five episode of This Week in Marvel, last week's episode, where Ben J. Morse goes fanboy to fanboy with Christopher Daniels. I was on that freaking podcast say, too, Robert. We went fanboys to fanboy with Christopher Daniels, and it was uh, it was it was more of a handicap match, and we won. Five twin demerits from Ref Gemlin. Yeah. Wolf Knight 26. Has Tony Stark ever gotten a shrapnel out of his body and no longer needed to have the arc reactor in his chest? Uh, yeah, years ago. He, that's In the movie, he still has it, but years ago in the comic, he had the shrapnel removed. And he doesn't need to have the arc reactor in his chest, he just wears the armor. Um, I think they may have like circled back to him needing the arc reactor at various points, but it's, it's like anything in comics. It goes back and forth. Sometimes he needs it, sometimes he doesn't. But the general status quo is just he's just a dude who wears armor and saves the world. Another one from Wolf Knight 26. Listen to the interview you guys did with Christopher Daniels. It was awesome. Enjoy it so much. I wish he could be a guest host for the show. Hashtag wishful thinking. Oh, hashtag wishful. I always miss the hashtags. Uh, that'd be fun. Probably make every podcast very unfocused and five hours long. You mean unfocused with Chris? <laughs> yeah. What? The man was kind of all over the place, but uh, we would love to have him back anytime. Yes. And finally, related to our Impact Wrestling friends, have you guys been to Bound for Glory? If not, do you plan to? Bound for Glory is Impact's big event of the year. Uh, I've never been. I don't think you've ever where are they? Where is it? This be, they just announced this past week. It's in San Diego. Mm. Home, of New York, uh, home of New York Comic Con. Home of <laughs> San Diego Comic Con International. Uh, that's usually why we don't go is because it's far away. Yeah. Um, WrestleMania was easy because it was right over in New Jersey. Yeah. If... Uh, hopefully Impact does a, a show in New York or New Jersey or even... Well, Impact's yeah. going to play um, right. Coney Island in yeah, July. Going, we are going in July to yeah. the Brooklyn show, but if they do a pay-per-view uh, nearby, we would definitely be there. Yeah. At Dr. Underscore Spidey tweets, Thanks, Ben J. Morse, for giving the backstory of John Sublime on the latest episode of This Week in Marvel. As I'm now reading X-Men books monthly for the first time since 1990, it sounds like I should finally read Morrison's new X-Men. As uh, an X-Men fan who was around, who I was a 90s fan and I took a few years off and then I read Morrison's new X-Men, I will tell you that initially it will be an extreme culture shock because he changes everything. You need to go in, appreciate it for the story and for the craft and not kind of being precious about the characters because he will take the characters different places. Yep. Um, and a lot of those things have had lasting impressions. But I remember when I first started reading Morrison's new X-Men, Sarah, now I've said before, I hated it. Um, it took me a while to really appreciate it, and now when I read it again in uh, collection, I really dig it. So that is that is my warning to the X Men fan reading Grant Morrison's first time: stick with it and try to see it on its own, as as uh, as opposed to that's not how Wolverine should be acting and mm. stuff like that. At Simon Sebs tweets: Twin of the week is X Men number one between the Fearless Defenders and Captain Marvel. The Marvel ladies are getting love. And uh, Journey into Mystery. Yeah, hello. Red She Hulk. Yeah. A lot of stuff. Come on. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, glad you liked it, Simon. Another one. Uh, well, now we got one from Asbiv. He says, great 81.5 this week in Marvel with Christopher Daniels. Fun to hear about Superior Spider-Man, all-new X-Men, and comic conflict. I love the Daniels podcast. Maybe we will have to have him back. Yeah. And we'll get him in San Diego. Yeah, we, we will have him on San Diego. We will definitely be around in San Diego. Yeah. At Swagpool tweets, how long is this limbo stuff in Uncanny going on for? <laughs> 
It's been two issues so far. I think there's one or two issues left, and yeah. then that story wraps up. All right. At Rebel Avenger 219, got an Infinity War issue one from a three for one dollar pack of comics yesterday. Hashtag hype. Hashtag Horizon Labs. Nice. That's the boom. Get right in there. Infinity War. Yeah. I love <laughs> that. You got the weird doppelganger. Oh, yeah. You got, oh, you got so much cool stuff. Infinity War is, as much as I love Infinity Gauntlet, Infinity War has a special place yeah. in my heart. Because, it's so wacky. Yeah, it's, it's, it's much so more wacky. It's much more 90s than the other stuff. Yeah. Um, all right. Thank you to all the, uh, to everyone who helped out. Thank you, Chloe, for joining us. Thanks to Ben and Blake and Stromy. You're welcome. And most importantly, thanks to you guys for listening. This is Marvel, your universe. Ba-da-dum.